Hi everyone, Dr. Elizabeth Bonet here. Dr. Liz, welcome to the Hypnotize Me podcast. Before we jump in, please note that the podcast is not mental health treatment, nor should it replace mental health treatment. If you need psychotherapy or hypnotherapy, please seek treatment from a trained professional. I do hypnosis all over the world, so please feel free to contact me through my website, drlizhypnosis.com, D-R-L-I-Z-hypnosis.com. Hi everyone, Dr. Liz here, and I am back from break. I took about a month off of the podcast. I didn't run replays or anything because all of those take prep, and I just um, was concentrating on some different things that needed my attention, and I typically do three weeks on, one week off for the podcast episodes, but this time I really needed an extended break. My 15-year-old was diagnosed with autism level one, which used to be called Asperger's, as well as major depression. I mean, obviously I knew the major depression was going on and ADD was a rule out because of the major depression, but we're pretty sure she has ADD too. And um, I've really just been dealing with that and having a lot of sympathy for people. You know, I made probably 12 to 15 calls to therapists and not all of them called me back or emailed me back, which was quite surprising to me. I mean, occasionally someone um, loses a voicemail or an email, they miss it or something like that. But there was one that I called repeated times because she was highly recommended. She was a specialist in this area and zero response back. I mean, <laughs> it was really crazy to me. And I know people talk about this all the time that therapists just don't call them back. And I find that so surprising because I try to return my calls within 24 hours. Um, on my voicemail, it does say you can always schedule a free consultation over at my website, but not everyone does that. And so I give them a call back out of respect. Now, therapists are hard to get a hold of, I will say that, somewhat because of the nature of our profession. Like we go into session, we are not taking calls or texts during session or emails, right? Our focus is completely on our client. That's where it is. That's where it needs to be. That's what we're getting paid for is exquisite attention. That's what I call it being very, very present. Not that occasionally thoughts pop up about the grocery list or something, right? But we bring our attention very quickly back to the client if that does happen. So we're not reachable a lot of the time, depending on how much you work or depending on what kind of breaks you schedule or phone call hours, what I call them. We're often not available. So I understand, obviously, that nature of it but I was still quite surprised at the number of people who didn't call me back. So um, I finally did find someone for her that seems like a really good fit, and I was very happy about that. But that all takes energy, emotional energy, time, time spent looking up people, time spent getting referrals, time spent making the calls, time spent having the calls. So my focus and attention has really been there and to figure out some of her schooling. The autism was a surprise. 
we were having what's called a full battery done on her, which means like a psychologist is doing uh, like, I think she did like 15 different tests for her academic IQ, processing, all kinds of stuff. And this was scheduled. And one of my friends said, well, as long as you're doing that, she should look at Asperger's. Her husband is Asperger's. And I was like, really? She said, yeah, she fits a lot of that. And I just hadn't thought about it. I know this sounds odd, but I am not a child specialist. I'm an adult specialist. Um, It's funny because I did like this high school program where I went and worked with autistic children, but they were little bitty. And then I worked at a camp um, as a counselor in high school as well for people with disabilities, children with disabilities. So I was very familiar with autism as it presented that way. But I was not really familiar with Asperger's. I knew she had sensory stuff going on and she has an auditory processing disorder, which means she her communication is off and all these different things. I had just never put it together. So it was a surprise. And the psychologist said, both you and her dad saw it. Like she gave us questionnaires and things like that. And both her dad and I scored the areas that would qualify her for that diagnosis. So it's been a shift for me. And I am a deep dive diva. Let's call me that. Okay. (laughs) Like a deep dive diva. Um, Before I go on, I do want to say that I asked my daughter's permission to talk about this on the podcast. And she said, yeah, that's fine. None of these people really know me. (laughs) So I said, okay, thank you. Um, She said, it's fine as long as you don't make any slurs. And I was like, well, I don't plan to, but thank you for that. Um, But she was like, well, meaning like sometimes your generation does without knowing it. And it's like, yes, I'm very aware of that. And I've actually been trying to educate myself about all of the different language and how to say and what to say and what not to say. I have like these graphics downloaded that say, okay, don't say this, say this, don't say this, say this. So like updating my language, we do this some, I think, as people who pay attention as we go along, right? Terminology changes. But this was really a whole new area that had its own terminology. So I was getting familiar with that. And I um, promised her that I would try my very best not to do that. But what I was saying is I'm a voracious reader, as most of you know. I read about a thousand words per minute. The average reading speed of like an adult is generally about 200 to 250 words per minute. That actually increases for college students who read closer to like 300 words per minute. That's considered a faster reader. And I read about a thousand words per minute. I've measured this several times under several circumstances. I even measured like print versus Kindle and it's about the same for me. But my point there is that I read very quickly, and even within the last month, I've read five different books about autism and taken a course and then took CEUs about ADD in girls and women. The Attitude Magazine, ADD is capitalized in Attitude. 
is excellent. They have so much research-based information and they provide CEUs and they're one of a few sources that I found that really talks about women in ADD. So I highly recommend them, but I've listened to podcasts. I've done all this different stuff to try to get myself up to speed about how I can best help her. And that has taken a lot of energy, to be honest, a lot of energy. Perhaps you're on my newsletter and you know that I sent out a newsletter saying I'm taking a marketing break. I'm pausing the podcast and the newsletter for a month or so, for a couple of weeks. And so that's what I was doing during that time, during that break. It wasn't just like chilling. I was actually doing a lot of work and trying to figure out um, a whole new area, honestly. And it is a fascinating area. It really is. And it's taking some personal work too. I had mom guilt come up. I really did. Like, did I do something to cause this? Like I breastfed that kid forever. That was one of my first thoughts. Oh my gosh, I breastfed her for like three years. That was one of my thoughts. And then um, another thought I had is I delayed vaccinations. And I know that theory has mainly been disproven At the time when I had my kids, there was a list of risk factors for autism. And we checked off several of the boxes between the two of us. And so we delayed some of the vaccinations until I felt like she was past the point where that was really a factor. So neither one of them got the MMR vaccine until they were five. But obviously, (laughs) that is only one aspect of different things. And maybe if I had given it earlier, maybe she would have been identified earlier. I don't really know. But my point here is that I'm working on that. Like guilt comes up for all kinds of stuff with our kids. And I do my best to move out of it as quickly as I can because yes, it can guide behavior, guilt. Um, Let's differentiate here between guilt and shame. Guilt is some you did something wrong and shame is like there's something wrong with you. So I actually didn't have shame come up. I really believe I did the best mothering I could. Um, Well, I'll say a little bit. Like I was surprised that I hadn't really put this together before because I'm a pretty analytical person. And I was like, whoa, why didn't I see that? Is there something wrong with me that I didn't see this? But after speaking with the psychologist about it and how much overlap there is often with OCD and depression and all these different things that contribute to that, you know, I'm an anxiety specialist and I work a lot with OCD. So I figured a lot of this stuff going on with her was OCD and it's really not. And once you know that, the treatment of it becomes very different too. So anyway, I was, after I talked to the psychologist some, she said, yeah, I can see how you would think this is this or this and not really put it together. And so I felt some relief there. But guilt is feeling like we did something bad and that often will direct our behavior. It's a signal to us. Do we need to do something differently? Not that what we did was necessarily even wrong, Because sometimes we act with the best intentions and still feel guilty. But it's like, okay, do we need to look at those, even the best intentions? You know, the example that's popping up to mind is often when um, you think you're helping someone. This has been, I did some extended personal work several years ago. 
around helping people without them asking me to. And it would get me into all kinds of trouble, honestly. It's like, no. And I had to learn, do not help someone unless they're asking for help, period. So my intention was a good intention. Oh, I'm going to help them. I have some information that may help them or something like that, right? But the result was not but the result did not line up with my intention often. So that was a big personal lesson for me. And I still have to keep an eye on that. But that may be an example of where like guilt comes up and says, okay, you need to adjust your behavior here. You tried to help someone with the best intention and it did not yield a good result. They got offended or hurt or something like that. So you're feeling bad for a reason, guilty for a reason, you need to adjust something here. And believe me, that is not something I recognize myself. It was definitely work in my therapy with my therapist. It was work in a personal growth program that I was doing. It was work with a coach that I was working with at that time through the personal growth program. So it was not something I identified. Often it takes someone else seeing it to identify it for us and help us through that. And speaking of that point, um, that's exactly what happened here. Someone else identified this in my daughter. and, And now it's my job to find resources and help us both figure out how to build a life that she loves with these considerations. So one thing I am going to say is that it is really difficult for me sometimes to reach out for help around things. Um, You know, you've heard me talk on the podcast before about having a narcissistic mother. And when you have a narcissistic parent, you find that you don't get help. So you learn to not ask for it over time. Or if you do ask for help, then you get slammed in some way. You get put down or you got you get made fun of or they'll ask, um, what's wrong with you? I remember this one time when my kids were little bitty and there was two sides of my fence and there were two sides of my house that were fenced because of the neighbors. And there's one side that wasn't. And I wasn't working at the time, just my husband was working and finances were really, really tight. And so my mother, when we would have a conversation, she would say, oh, do you need anything at the end? Let me know. And so I said, yeah, mom, I would really love if you could pay for a fence. And I think it was about $400 at the time or something. It wasn't like thousands of dollars, but it was just $400 we didn't really have. and. She said, well, what's wrong with you? Can't you keep an eye on your own children? And it was like, oh my God, that's the kind of response that you get from a narcissistic parent when you ask for help. What's wrong with you? And I was really devastated. I mean, obviously I was keeping an eye on my children. That's all I was doing. They could not go in the backyard without me being right there beside them. And a fence would have really helped in terms of like, okay, you know, I could let them go outside without having to actually be outside with them and keeping an eye on them through the window or something briefly, right? So over time, you learn not to ask for help. And that was into my 30s. And I probably had not asked for help for many, many years. 
she had helped me financially through graduate school some. She had paid for my undergrad and part of my undergrad was paid through grants as well. But she had helped me through that. She had helped me some through graduate school, but I had actually started declining her money in graduate school because it always came with strings attached to it. There was always some requirement that I had to do or she would make me feel bad about taking her money if I didn't come visit her a certain frequency, something like that. So I stopped taking money from her. I stopped completely and I would like send the checks back or tell her not to send them or something like that. So this was probably 10 years since I had asked for anything financial from her. And that's the response I got. So it's something to know if you have a narcissistic parent that there's probably a reason you have a hard time reaching out for help. But back to the original point, I have found such a wonderful support through this actually. Such wonderful support in terms of people being very encouraging about finding the right resources for my daughter, um, the right kind of school environment, all kinds of stuff. Unschooling versus homeschooling, like all kinds of stuff. I don't know if you're familiar with the term unschooling, but it's really like letting the children find their own interests even in terms of decreasing factors that are overwhelming for her. When I began opening up to this, I even discovered like people had experience I didn't even know they had. And they offered me like really good suggestions as a way to um, help her navigate this. So that has been a really lovely process. It's actually deepened some friendships because I opened up about this and let them know what I was dealing with. And and they had um, knowledge and resources I didn't even know they had. That often happens, right, when you open up to a friend. And that is how friendships deepen, that you really reveal what's going on with you. You don't just say, yeah, everything's fine. Um, yeah, I'm hanging in there. Right? You really talk about, no, this is what's going on with me. This is what's scary to me in my life. Um, this is what's painful. Um, this is what's happy too, not just the painful, but sharing the happiness too. So all in all, it's been a very busy month, but I am back to the podcast. I have really missed it. I really enjoy doing it, meeting people that I otherwise wouldn't meet or talk to, reading books that I wouldn't otherwise read. Often they'll send you books to read before you interview them. And there's some really good books that come across my inbox. And also it's a way to help myself stay on top of the hypnosis research, like finding really interesting research about hypnosis and transformation and healing. So I have some good topics coming up for you people and um, some good interviews coming up. And... I want to thank you all for being listeners and for listening today. I hope that this spoke to someone out there who's perhaps going through something similar or going through a hard time, or I don't know, perhaps you have a narcissistic parent and you're like, why can I ever reach out for help? You know, people always tell me, why aren't you getting help? Right now, maybe you understand why now. I don't know. So I hope you're all hanging in there. I know we're still dealing with the pandemic um, more some places than others. I did an episode a little bit ago 
obviously not the last month, (laughs) right? I think right before I went on break, I did an episode about pandemic anniversary reactions and how people are feeling burned out and having some sadness go on. So you can go back and listen to that one if you like, if that's going on for you. But I hope that everyone listening is safe and healthy and I'll talk to you soon. Peace. truly enjoying today's episode. Remember that you can get free hypnosis downloads over at my website, drlizhypnosis.com, D-R-L-I-Z hypnosis.com. I work all over the world doing hypnosis. So if you're interested in working with me, please schedule a free consultation over at my website and we'll see what your goals are and if I can be of service to you and helping you reach them. Finally, if you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the podcast or tell a friend. That way, more and more people learn about the power of hypnosis. All right, everyone. Have a wonderful week. Peace.